I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting from the Texas Advanced Computing Center, part of the University of Texas at Austin. The SC14 Supercomputing Conference takes place this year in the city of New Orleans, November 16th through 21st. Scientists, engineers, educators, students, IT professionals, and industry meet at SE14 to share the latest in high-performance computing, networking, storage, and analysis. Best-selling author and physicist Brian Greene of Columbia University gave the keynote address at the SE14 conference. His latest book is The Hidden Reality, Parallel Universes and the Deep Laws of the Cosmos. In it, Green describes the hypothesis of multiple universes, and in particular that of a computer-simulated multiverse. Brian Green spoke with me by phone about the possibilities and future of supercomputing. Dr. Green, thank you for speaking with us today. Sure, my pleasure. The theme of the SC14 conference is HPC Matters, uh, High Performance Computing. Why does high-performance computing matter to you, and also why should it matter to anyone else? Well, it doesn't matter to me in the same way that it will to many of the people attending the conference. Certainly, I have found in my own work that there are a variety of problems that we encounter where it is simply intractable to solve by hand, intractable to solve using traditional desktop computers, so the promise and possibility of high-performance computing opens up a whole range of problems that we can begin to address. My work, however, doesn't focus primarily on the numerical solutions of various problems. We tend to focus more on analytic approaches, but clearly when you look at the uh, opportunities that we have for investigating a range of scientific problems that would simply be out of reach without these tools. It's enormously exciting what's being done. Dr. Green, would you speak to something that you've written about in your book, The Hidden Reality, and that's the hypothesis of multiple universes, um, and in particular, uh, that of a computer-simulated multiverse. I mean, it sounds like something out of the Matrix. It literally is something out of the Matrix. That's exactly what the premise of The Matrix was. Just taking a quick step back, though, my book focuses on a whole range of ways in which our universe might not be the be-all and end-all of reality, that it might be a smaller part of a much grander whole. And some of the approaches to that idea come from cosmology, that there might be many big bangs. Some come from the possibilities in string theory that we might be living on one sheet of space in a more gigantic environment that could have other sheets of space, other universes. But you're right, one of the more speculative possibilities among a range of speculative ones that I've already mentioned is that our universe might be one simulation on a vast computer set of simulations that are each yielding universes, realms in which the inhabitants think that what they're experiencing is everything, but indeed all it is is some code running on some fancy computer that makes them appear to have the reality that you and I hold dear. Indeed, the very reality we are experiencing could be among those possibilities. So yes, we've all seen the matrix. We all know the basic idea. The question is, is that a possibility? And if it is, the real question I address in the book is, would those universes, namely the simulated ones, be more prevalent than the ones that we usually call real? And would that perhaps then suggest that any sentient being experiencing a universe 
would rationally conclude that it's more likely that they are in a simulation than not because the simulated universes are so much easier to construct that they would vastly outnumber the real ones that we usually anticipate they were part of. Um, and I was fascinated by thinking about um, some of the characters, some of the, uh, the people populating this simulated universe might even start to figure out that they're in one. Yeah, that's right. And depending on who's running the simulation, perhaps the simulator decides whenever a being gets to that point, they fiddle with their memory or their thinking to either erase it or to amplify it or to take whatever actions they deem suitable or not. So it's a very strange possibility, which I don't find intriguing because I think we're literally in a simulation, but I find it particularly intriguing because it casts certain questions in a slightly different light. So, for instance, I had an interesting conversation with, you know, a public conversation with Richard Dawkins, who famously eschews the notion that there might be some deity that is pulling the strings or, in some sense, has created everything that we see in the world around us. But when we came to the possibility that maybe it wasn't a supernatural being, but rather an actual physical being, say a kid in the far future in his garage or whatever structure one would house vehicles in the future, and if that 15-year-old kid is simulating universes and we are in one of those, well, that doesn't require a supernatural explanation that there is some intelligent being creating the world around us. It's completely within the rules of physics, and it simply is an unusual configuration where the reality that we know is being designed by an intelligence that itself is governed by the laws of physics. So it simply casts certain issues in a different light, and I think that's a nice provocative thing that this simulated multiverse proposal can do. And in thinking also about the possibilities as um, computing power has really uh, exponentially um, taken off um, and sustained itself, I was intrigued also to think about um, artificial intelligence and the possibilities of a computer actually um, being able to become aware of itself. Yeah, no, it's an exciting possibility, and I think my own personal perspective, which is not based on any expertise in the subject, is that that is within the realm of possibility. As far as I can tell, again, based upon an, an educated but not expert understanding of the processes involved, that self-awareness and consciousness is the sensation that certain physical processes yield. And those physical processes, in principle, can be simulated in a silicon environment and then, or maybe even in an environment that goes beyond that to futuristic technologies that might allow even greater computing power. So it strikes me as a long shot, something that's way off, but is within the realm of possibility that we would have self-aware artificial structures roaming the world with us. You know, something closer to home are um, scientific efforts to really uh, study the human brain. And um, uh, what are your thoughts on some recent efforts um, to simulate the human brain, such as the Human Brain Project of the European Commission, uh, led by Henry Markram, and um, also maybe here in the United States with the, uh, the Brain Initiative of uh, President Obama. Yeah, well, it's all very exciting, and it 
scares some people to imagine that we might be able to take a brain and reduce it to its connections and simulate those connections on a computer. That is already being done with various parts of, for instance, rat brains. I haven't followed the research in great detail in the last year or two, but as of a couple of years ago, the uh, part of the cortical column of a rat's brain was being simulated, and the results that they were getting by stimulating the part of the rat's brain and by stimulating artificially the computer version of it were in sync with one another. They were relatively close. That's an exciting development. Of course, the big question that this raises and which no one fully knows the answer to yet is, to what extent is a brain only its connections and to what extent are there other elements of a brain that these approaches may not be reproducing with fidelity? And that's a big question because once all the connections are in place and you turn it on, if you're missing something vital, it's not going to achieve the stated goal of being able to, in some sense, create a brain in a computer. Now, you should note, of course, that many of the researchers are quick to point out that that isn't their main goal, that their main goal is to study various pathologies and various ways in which the computer could aid in finding remedies or cures for various maladies of the brain, and that is a vital and important goal. But I think in the back of many people's minds, and some of the researchers state this explicitly, having an actual simulated brain on a computer is the far-off but ultimate goal. And the question is, what really will it take to achieve that, if it's at all possible? Hmm. Uh, right now, um, supercomputers are in the age of the PETA scale. Uh, with the world's fastest computer, the, uh, the Tianhe-2 in Sun Yat-sen University, Guangzhou, uh, China, uh, it clocks in at about 34 petaflops. Um, you've written about the possibilities of planetary scale computers uh, in your book, The Hidden Reality. Um, where do you see society going as computer cycles and storage scale beyond the petascale to the exascale and beyond? I have absolutely no idea, and I find that uh, at once humbling and exciting. I mean, if you were to have asked me that question 20, 30 years ago, or let's say 40 years ago, I am quite certain, well, I would have been young at that time, so let's make it 35 years ago, but I'm quite certain that I would not have been able to predict anything near where we are today with the computer power that has emerged in the decades since. And the fact that we walk around with these little devices in our pockets that can access the world's information by either a tap of a finger or the appropriate question into a receiver that we can immediately interface with all sorts of technological devices in our homes and the environment around us, I wouldn't have guessed that that's where things were going. So I'm not even going to venture a guess where things will be or 10, 20, 30 years from now, but I certainly hope I stick around long enough to see it because I find these developments thrilling. Well, Dr. Green, this is my final question. Thanks very much for your time today. Sure. Thank you. What's the most important thing you want people today to know about supercomputers? Well, I, again, I'm not the right person to ask on that. The, the folks who are at the conference are the real experts. They are the folks that are pushing the envelope. They are the ones who have their finger on the pulse of where this exciting field is going. My focus is not so much on supercomputers and the future of that fantastic technology, 
but trying to answer some of the deep questions that underlie all of the work that's going on, namely, how did the universe get here? What will the universe itself be like, not on the scales of decades or centuries, but on the scale of thousands and thousands of millennia? I mean, billions of years into the future, what will the cosmos be like? These questions can seem far off and esoteric, but to me, they help frame everything that we do. They help frame who we are as a society, if we can get a sense of how we fit into the big cosmic picture. So that's really where my focus is and will likely be for some time to come. You've been listening to physicist Brian Green of Columbia University. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.